0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the FPL Draft Duo podcast with myself, Nolsey, and my co-host, Jack C. Hope you're all keeping well and you got W's in the draft this week. We're going to continue as usual. We're going to give a small bit of a breakdown of the waiver deadlines over the Christmas period, listener questions, and then give our waiver suggestions for Game Week 18. So just on a couple of the waiver deadlines, we're coming into Game Week 18. It's on Wednesday at half six, so remember to get them in ASAP. Because, as we said last week, if you miss a deadline or two over game week 18 and 19, that could have a big effect on how you get on in the immediate and in the long term. If anyone's in the T12, you'll know it's coming to squeaky bum time right now, the last two games. We went on a rant last week about how good redrafting a second time is. And I think if you're in the T12, it's kind of just kind of proven it to you a little bit more and um, so if you don't know what the t12 is the t12 is a competitive progressive draft league that we set up if you're inter- interested in getting involved from game week 21 onwards so we'll be redrafting over christmas just in the new year um, get in contact with us there's a link in the description fill it out put in your username either on whatever instagram or twitter or wherever you're hearing this or you access the FL Draft and we will add you in we'll get in contact with anyone that's currently playing over the next probably 5 or 6 days because a lot of the places will be confirmed but yeah if you're not involved check it out maybe you don't want to get involved this season you want to see what it is and then get involved next season we want more more the merrier I suppose
1: yeah it's had a lot of traction as well over the especially because it's coming into that squeaky bum time the T12 group chat has been a lot more active as well people get nervous over the last few weeks because you may be three points ahead or you could be three points in the clear to get into that top spot or to get into the top two but it is all to play for in in the six leagues I think there's only one person maybe two people secure in the top spot so far so it is still all to play for so those waivers that you do pick
0: are going to be crucial but I don't think much trading in the T12 is going to happen over the next two no, weeks. because it's literally like yeah, you want to attack them two games. Unless there's some dodgy business, which in the draft hopefully there never is. But um, yeah, get involved. Link in the description. Have a look. Check it out. See if you like it. I guarantee you'll have a good time. But uh, on to the usual business, I suppose. We're going to talk about a couple of players that returned in game week 17. Returned from injury, I suppose. That kind of went under the radar. That might have been brought back a bit early. I think uh, you said there was a quote on Dean Henderson that he was brought back maybe a week early because of the Christmas period. They have to ensure they have players playing. Yeah. Um, Eze came on, played a single minute, so Eze is back. I think again, that time frame was unknown, and he wanted to push for it sooner. Uh, he's back, so he's a great option. We're going to talk about him in this week's podcast. Botman came on played 6 minutes again another fantastic option Henderson as we said played 90 minutes and Lyle Foster is back and played 45 minutes so a couple of players that we hadn't really expected to come back this early got the nod this week and are fantastic options going forward just on Botman yeah he played 6 minutes Dan Byrne
1: started so he did feature in the Champions League mid mid Mm midweek last week and I actually picked Dan Byrne off in the free agency so Mm -hmm. It's players like that. It could be crucial for you win, winning your, your draft uh, game week because, yes, yeah, so you just need to be on the waivers and on the free agency because
0: some people mightn't be checking it as much, but it, you can get a gem. 14-pointer. Like, yeah, 14 I, I picked him up. Uh, I picked him up um, on the waiver this week as well, and I think this is another little plug as to why you have to be following on Instagram or Twitter, Instagram, whatever it is, mainly Twitter because it's a lot easier to put updates. We had Lewis Hall down as a waiver last week. But once Dan Byrne came back, that option was essentially gone. And we said that on Twitter. that When we give our list of waivers on YouTube and on the podcast, I don't think there's been a week where, going into the weekend, all of them are still going to be options because of injuries and rotation and stuff like that. So make sure you're keeping up to date because a Dan Byrne could be cleared fit late on. And I think that's one thing that needs to be changed with the draft is that it's 24 hours before the deadline but you will never have enough information from the pressers to make 100% informed decisions or at least more informed decisions so with waivers you're always going to have to take a chance and that's why you kind of keeping up to date um, with Twitter with us hopefully because we'll be kind of being more referring to the draft rather than normal FPL Yeah, uh, it's so essential because a couple of little gems could come up the last minute so make sure you're hitting that follow button on Twitter and staying up to date with all our Yep. Or updates I suppose. If anyone that does follow us on Twitter already, thank you very much. We just hit a thousand right. followers on Twitter. So big night out last night to celebrate. <laughs> 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 we go straight into the listener questions. Um first one is about Kudos and Kudos we know had that massive haul over the weekend absolute baller gem of a player throughout the whole course of the season, but this player wants to trade him, and I can understand why, because Athcon is coming up, and that sometimes might put you off a player, big time if you really think Kudos is going to be a season long hold, starting in a a West Ham team that will score goals, uh, maybe you don't want to have to, you know, don't be forced to get him off your team as quickly as possible, now I don't mind this trade, because if you're always trying to attack the games and each fixture as it goes. You don't want to be left with Kudos and possibly someone else, like a Matoma or a Dingra that you have to get rid of as well. So if you do want to trade Kudos, I suppose there's a couple of options. And this kind of links in with the second question we have. So I'll say that one first. Um, I have Saka, Bone, Johnson, Tavernier and Tokore. And it gives me a list of players who to bring in. And first and foremost, I want to be in this league because the list of players is it Olisi Ramsey Piquetta, Andres Pereira Pascal Gross and Odingra <laughs> so I presume you're in an eight man league yeah. and because the list of people that are available is insane if we're looking at them um, five midfielders that you have Saka obviously keep bone keep Johnson has a concussion so it's touch and go for game week 18 Tavernier great pick Decore also has a hamstring injury now I would be hesitant around most muscular injuries to come back a week later when you think about it if you all play a sport you know you t- you tweak a hamstring very rarely you're a hundred percent the next week and especially in a professional sport they don't want to risk it over the quick Christmas turnaround so I suppose linking them to your questions who could you trade Kudas for who of these players would you pick and We have to really... At this time of year, there's not a crazy amount on the waiver, apart from this fella's waiver. So you have to kind of start ranking players and put them in different categories. When the new year comes around, there will be a massive influx on on players and you'll have a load of more waivers to do. But for now, if we're looking for trades for kudos, Palmer, I know he just went off, but I would love Palmer as a season-long hold. His stonks are crazy high right now but if you could get kudos over the line with someone else for a palmer i think you won't have to worry about palmer for the rest of the season on penalties nail for chelsea and um, chelsea aren't in any european competition bowen obviously i know it's kind of a like for like and one plays uh, in the afghan and one doesn't but if you could get bowen over the line with someone else for kudos again season long hold gordon in that bracket as well Richarlison going further down the list. Richarlison playing up top returned at the weekend. Another great pick. He is going to fluctuate. Players are going to come back. But Richarlison is really, really high value. Not high
1: value, but overvalued at the moment. But yeah, as a Spurs fan, great to see that he's he's doing what he's doing. But I am I am I, always hesitant of Richarlison. 5%. But you never know. He could be just that confidence player. You no know, confidence. For three, six months. Yeah. And now... like He's Set in the
0: Brazil squad. Yeah. Like, there is there is a player there. Hopefully he can keep it up. I think if you're doing that kudos to Richarlison trade, you're really, really going from week to week. That in 10 game weeks time, and kudos is back, and Richarlison might be rotated, you think, how did I do that? How did I give it away? So, it depends on how you want to play it. Kuliseski is probably a bit more nailed, even though he's not as exciting as Richarlison right now. He is playing Unreal and he is kind of converting them chances that he didn't usually do or at least nearly converting them chances giving fantastic balls through could be getting more returns Kuliseski, Gordon, Bone, Palmer they'd be top of the list if you could get them over the line they'd be savage I think if Palmer you, is personally mm-hmm. I'd have Palmer number one 100% he could have hauled more at the weekend as well oh my god he could have got a 20 pointer yeah. I think it was 14 he ended with uh, he's going to be I really he, high He's probably Chelsea's best player at the moment. Without a shadow of doubt, out, I think he's Chelsea's best player. He's literally making them tick. If you're kind of coming down the list, and you're looking at them players that that person had options to bring in, we're looking at their team, Decore, yes, on a fantastic run, but if I'm looking at Eze and Olise to bring in for him, I'd definitely do it. Johnson, now that Richardson's playing well, although I think he's still starting majority of games, I think there is probably temptation to get rid of him now. He is kind of a little gem of a player if he's playing for a very good attack and spur side. But yeah, I'd probably be looking down the line if you wanted to trade for Kudo. So if you wanted to swap Decore or Johnson out, I'd put them into different categories. Eze Olise would be in the premium category. Um, because both of them are possibly on pins and set pieces. I know we saw Olise take the pin the last day. Both of them are savage free kick takers. Paqueta is now up there. Uh, yep. Probably before the weekend uh, I wouldn't have put him up as high But definitely in that kind of elite category He's playing far more attacking this year Than he did last year And also possibly on penalties That always comes into it And then Pascal Gross Out of that list would be up there I suppose it's how you want to go Pascal Gross is in a Brighton team That um, I think they scored They had some sort of stat where they had scored 21 games in a row Until they played Arsenal He's possibly on pins, but sometimes, and might do so in the next couple of game weeks, play a small bit deeper because uh, Veltman is now injur- injured and they have no left back. Milner played there, was shocked in the last day. Pascal Gross has played deep before, let's say as a wing back or even a right back sometimes. That would be the only kind of asterisk over him. Apart from that, I'd love to keep him. We looked at his fixtures a couple of weeks ago. He is practically a season-long hold if you get him. Um, Andres Pereira down the list Andres Pereira over the next five is, is great We're going to talk about Fulham's fixtures throughout the podcast Set pieces again That's a key when you're selecting a player Jacob Ramsey does come into it Jacob Ramsey we'll talk about in the waivers this section And give a bit more context to him And then Adingra would be bottom of the list for me If you wanted to swap out a Johnson or a Decore uh, Adingra would bottom up the list Because he goes to AFCON in 21 So that's a, you know an immediate problem you're going to have to deal with so I suppose to round up, Kudos trade, we have, you know, really high value, Hammer, Bone, Gordon, Richardson, Kulisewski, that maybe with another player you might get something over the line. Uh, I also have down here, Alvarez for City is kind of going under the radar. Um, he hasn't been returning as well or as explosively as he has in previous game weeks. So if you wanted to get an Alvarez, if you gave Kudos and a very good defender for like an Alvarez and maybe a, a, a Robinson for Fulham who we talk about, that, I think that would be a, an amazing trade if you'd a very good value defender and kudos or even like a Bernardo for City I'm talking about City players here comes into a question about it City players stick or twist we'll talk about that in a second but Bernardo is one of the most nailed players in that City team although he mightn't be as exciting on paper as other players he's going to play the majority of games they do miss that fixture so that might be a reason to get the Alvarez or the Bernardo over the line I think Bernardo Silva could be one of the most
1: underrated players in the Premier League it's just he doesn't look doesn't look flashy he doesn't
0: look like Foden doesn't look like Alvarez he just goes and nobody talks about him I think that there was times last season where people are like ok he is one of the best in the Premier League but this season he's gone under the radar I think it's because City have struggled slightly but yeah if you, any of those players you're going to improve your team if we follow on from that question and we touched on it slightly City players stick or twist it totally depends on who you're talking about I'm getting personally getting rid of Bernardo this week, but that's because I'm playing 19 game weeks. If I didn't have a 19 game week season, I think I'd probably look to maybe trade Bernardo, try and improve on him, or stick. It's a very hard player to put on the waiver. I'd like to double up and maybe trade him plus someone else and get a more informed player who we'll talk about. Other City players, question on Grealish. We talked about Grealish at Athleten last week and how he's you know, his value skyrocketed. Well, it's gone even further because he banged in his last two games that he started. Again, I'm still hesitant. I don't think that's going to change my mind. I still think that in five game weeks' time, as we said last week, you're going to be in the same position. I can't see Grealish playing even over 75... 60-75% of the games for City. So what do you want to do? Do you want to keep a player that is could on any day get a goal because he's in a very good city team but the next day he might not play at all and i suppose that's the risk you're going to have to take the only option i think you have with greelish if you want to keep him is keep him as that fifth choice midfielder that you know you don't mind if he doesn't play because you have a bench now if you if you were struggling in the If you have maybe two or three players that might be rotation risks, you have to shore up that midfield first before you can kind of consider keeping Grealish long-term and hoping he keeps his form and maybe breaks in the team. They have that blank in A team, which is not good for him because that gives Doku an extra week to get back. So even if he does play that game week 19, and it's against Wolves as far as I know, and then Sheffield in game week 20, by Sheffield, you're probably going to have that headache already. Everton game with KT Everton, sorry and uh, you're probably going to be back at square one and have that headache so Grealish is a savage trade right now because inevitably he's even if he continues to kind of play in most games you're going to have a headache there's always going to be an asterisk over him so I would still be looking to trade Grealish out and now is the perfect time it's like that kudos when there's that skyrocket value after hauling and everyone's seeing you know stars in their eyes yeah great time to get maybe even just the players we talked about and Eze and Olise, Kulusevski. if somehow you got that over the line a He Chan, any of these players that maybe have dipped slightly in form over the last two or three game weeks that inevitably overall over the course of the season are going to have a higher trade value and are going to reap more consistent points than Grealish if we move on and talk about another kind of rotation risk midfielder Mudrick, what do I do with Mudrick? Do I stick or twist? couple of notes on Mudrick. He has started the last four games in a row for Chelsea. And I didn't think he was going to start this week, but he did. Does he get his fifth against Wolves? Chelsea have them unreal fixtures. And that's what drags people into these these um, waivers. And before we did the podcast, I probably would have been a bit like that myself. Where it's like, oh, but he has such good fixtures. like I can't ignore him. Like... But when you do more research, you're thinking, what am I doing? What I'm doing is I'm picking a player that I don't 100% trust to get 90 minutes. So I have down here that in the next four games, if he starts three of them, which would be good, uh, you know, I would be fairly happy as a Mudrick owner if he starts. Wolves, Palace, Luton over the next three games. And Fulham then after that. Yeah. So if you have three starts over the next four out of any of them three and he's playing on average 60 to 70 minutes, we will say 70, the top, or top end, by, by um, three or four, We'll say the four games, he plays on average 70 minutes, which would be very good for Mudrick. This is the top end of what I'm thinking. He plays 280 minutes. Now, if you go and pick someone that gets 490 minutes, now that's not going to be easy, because it's Christmas period, but let's say we have a player there that plays 90 minutes four times. That's 360 minutes, which is essentially an extra game. It's 80 minutes more. And I know we can't always go on just minutes. And that doesn't directly correlate to returns. But it does when you're talking about the probability of them getting returns because they're on the pitch. I think if you stick with Mudrick, you're going to have to accept the inevitability that he's going to get benched. Personally, I would probably be going for, especially because he got the four starts in a row... I'm just like he's hardly going to get five in a row. He did play well, and that's the only thing. He did play well. Remember when we were watching it, Jackson, yeah. and I was like, Jesus, Mudrick could be coming into this. He turns a man on the line, drives, and his shot practically went out for a throw. Balloons it. Balloons it. I'm like, this is Mudrick down to a T. This is him as an FPL pick. It's on like the paper, when, it's like when you make a player
1: in FIFA years ago and you have his speed up 99th but all the other um, abilities don't correlate like he's lightning quick like a little small player as well sometimes he used to make
0: small players and then just no finishing whatsoever if he did if he does somehow and I know he has got returns in the last couple of games but if he does hit a bit of form and I consistently see him starting I would definitely think he's a good pick but for now I'd be looking at players like the Paquettas 90-minute man for West Ham, McNeil, yeah. who we talked at length about last week and he got another return, he got an assist at the weekend and he could have had so much more. If you watched that game, he was involved in everything. Everton. Everton, part the pun. <laughs> <laughs> McNeil's returns, because
1: you, you mentioned, you talked about Mudrick's minutes and you want to pick a player that's playing possibly 90 minutes. McNeil has played 90 minutes in the last four games.
0: Returning 8 points, 14, 3 and 6. It's like when you look at McNeil and you look at Everton, they don't have the best fixtures. And this is where you get dragged into all them greens. And I know the greens are great, but that's if they're nail players. If they're not nail players, what's the point of them? Because if they don't play that green fixture, well, it's irrelevant. Yeah.
1: And looking at Everton's fixtures just on McNeil, although they do play Spurs, City, Wolves and then Villa... Spurs have injuries and a couple of suspensions in their defence, They will con- and they have conceded goals this season. City, they're Everton playing City at home. City are in a bit of a rocky period at the moment, they are conceding as well,
0: so although they are tough fixtures on paper, mm-hmm. they're definitely fixtures that Everton can score in. 100% in reality, I suppose they're a lot different than on paper. As you said, City are a bit slack. I'm not saying that, oh, McNeil's going to score against City, but... It's way higher probability than it has been in the last three seasons. Spurs, as you said, we're going to talk definitely about um, some Everton assets in the waiver section. But the injuries and suspension that Spurs have, they have Pissouma out. A doji is suspended. Obviously, Van de Ven is still injured. Uh, Obviously, Madison is out. Johnson is possibly out. So you're going to see a very different Spurs side. The likes of maybe Emerson Royale playing. Ben Davis playing. Hoiberg will be in for. Pesuma, because uh, Los Celso was out injured as well. And Everton are one of the most informed teams in the Premier League. Dwight McNeil at the heart of that. I never thought I'd say it. Um, so I'd be kind of looking towards a McNeil and Andres Pereira. I know this is extremely boring, but a long staff. Or any of them kind of steady eddies that we said. Bruno Gameres. Uh, he, he returned last week as well, didn't he? Yeah. And he could have had two assists, should have had two assists. So them kind of players that will get you to two and three points every week with a chance of returning can shore up your team and can make your team a lot harder to beat when you see them zeros and ones on teams that's that's you're always up against it yep. if you get the twos and threes and then a couple of turns in between we always say it you have a fantastic chance of winning any game week well Dwight McNeil get called into the England squad imagine <laughs> <laughs> I suppose that's a great question to come on to um, Rashford and Hoyland what to do with them <laughs> Dwight McNeil will take Rashford's plot Jesus <laughs> so Someone asked about Rashford and Hoyland. What to do with them? Now I suppose when we talk about Rashford, Rashford had a slight injury the last two or three games. Uh, came on the last day. What I think about Rashford is I suppose based on Anthony. And if anyone watched the, sorry, if anyone watched the United Liverpool game last night, now I'm, I'm sure this was evident beforehand. But I have officially crowned Anthony the most ineffective footballer that's ever played for United. <laughs> he does not do anything productive, worse, ever. Worse than Fred. Oh, Fred is ten times the player Anthony was. <laughs> or Anthony is. I think Anthony, what, he, he's so ineffective. and like He'll never, ever make a positive move forward. It's just showboating an absolute muck all the time. So I, I think a couple of options could happen. Anthony continues to play Ten Hag gets sacked. I think that's like goes hand in hand if Anthony continues to get not I think it's showing that Ten Hag is like trying to prove, I don't know, maybe that yeah his sign is going to work. This this Anthony has to go like I get rid of him in January. I don't care what you get from. Him. Anyways. What do you uh, pay for him? 19 million man. Ninety million. I was only listening to Pound. yeah on Stick to Football uh, this morning. They said 90 million. I thought it was 70 myself but they said 90. 90 million. Most 90. ineffective player. Um, don't go for him just because he's starting. I think he has to get benched. If Ten Hag wants to make any strides, Rashford has to play. We, As we always say, never trade someone at an on-time low. Let's say this happens, and as a United fan, I don't... Well, it actually might be positive. Ten Hag gets sacked. The next manager comes in, is inevitably going to start Rashford. And Rashford gets on a bit of a scoring and run. And I know I've been saying this for a week. Oh, Rashford will get on a scoring and run and a scoring run, but... Are you going to waiver out Rashford for an Eze, an Olise? That's a possibility. If there's some very good players on your waiver that are, are nail players, that's not a bad option. But if you're invested in Rashford and you've come this far, I think now is the time where it's like he'll get back in the team and he has the option of doing something. I know Anthony has played the last couple of games, but he's been so bad and United have been so poor as well that he can't continue to play. Uh, if he gets uh, the nod over Garnaccio, I think Ten Hags. Days are numbered, which then, in turn, will get a new manager in and then might get the best out of Rashford. So I still would be holding on to Rashford. The next question was about Hoyland. Just on
1: Rashford and Hoyland, when was the last time Rashford played down the middle for United? Was that before they signed Hoyland? No, he played there once or twice this year in spurts. In spurts? Yeah. I know, yeah, because you mentioned... Ten Hag signed Anthony, so he's obviously wants to to play him to prove it. Ten Hag also signed Hoyland. Hoyland hasn't scored in the league yet. I this Is, is there
0: a possibility of Rashford playing down the middle? No, I don't think so. I think he has to play Hoyland up top, unless he wants to drop Hoyland to a number 10 role, because he's actually looked all right there. Um, But I don't think he's going to do that for Bruno. So I think the way, as you said, the way it's kind of forced on him, that Hoyland has to play up top and Anthony has to play on the wing... um. Garnaccio is one of our better players and then he's kind of forced himself into I suppose into a corner where he has to either drop Antony or play Antony. and if he plays Antony, United are going to be shit and if he <laughs> drops Antony, Rashford could be productive so it's kind of uh, maybe hold out a week or two and see is there any major change in United there's nothing worse than a new manager coming in and you've been like shit now Rashford could go off mm five or six weeks ago when Ten Hag's job wasn't at risk and, you know, he just wasn't playing that well. It was kind of a different story. Now it's like, oh, this could be make or break here. The next couple of games, if United lose it, two in the bounce. That could be Ten Hag gone and maybe the next manager gets the most out of him. So maybe just hold off to see, can you actually ride that wave and somehow get on a good manager's run? But if you're not happy to do that and you think Ten Hag is going to probably make it through the end of Christmas, Uh, you could waver him out for a a top-quality midfielder that we've talked about, a gross Paqueta, Olise, Eze, uh, if you really want to shore things up, even an Andres Pereira. Just on Hoyland then, what's your two cents on Hoyland? My two cents on Hoyland is that uh, you said that he's only scored 22 points this season. And as much as I've defended him, and as much as he's looked good playing for United, he hasn't had that um, killer instinct in the Premier League yet. So if you were looking to trade for Hoyland, and the problem with Hoyland again is the fact that he's so low value, maybe you want someone else to think that he's going to start playing well. A couple of players that you might get over the line that might go under the radar, has, have a couple of asterisks over their head, are the likes of Wilson. Because Isaac and him are always going to get rotated, uh, Wilson is a great pick. He's 7 goals and 1 assist, and I think he's only started 6 games this season, 7 games this season. So, even if he doesn't play the full 90, Wilson just inevitably finds a way to return. He's on pens when he's on the pitch. Hoyland isn't. And he's just a nice player to own if it's kind of for free. If you're relying on Wilson as your first striker, maybe not. But if you have Hoyland as your second striker, do nothing, and you want to change it up, a Wilson or possibly a DCL is going to be a good option. DCL has started and played 60 minutes in his last 10 out of 11 games so it's the first time in jesus could be two years that we're seeing dcl actually put a run a run of games together i know it's been only four games since his last injury or his last game that he missed but he's played the last 10 out of the 11 everton are in form and if you look at the way everton play they look for that aerial threat the likes of harrison and the likes of McNeil are there to whip in balls to dcl's head Jacky was just informing me of a couple of players, or t- the vast majority of players that have scored more points than Hoyland this season. Can you name a few of them? Just uh, yeah, just a few now. Kaladasic of Wolves no. has two points more.
1: Anthony Martial has more points coming up the table. Then Agbene, thirty-four. Wow, baller. Chris Wood, and then just coming up again, Adebayo of Luton, who was just a more recent starter for Luton has more than double the points of Hoyland. So Luton Town recently
0: promoted side has more than double the points of Manchester United striker. Now I know Hoyland missed the first like five, six games. Yeah. But if you don't score you just don't get points. Hoyland missed the first five, six games at a bio.
1: Probably didn't start at the first. First couple of games he did play, but in game week's six right up to game with 13 he only had
0: a few cameo appearances Wow! so he's just not converting he's just not converting now I always think about if you're at the bottom the only way is up but you can't just it's, there's some cost fallacy we talked about it there is some players like Rashford that maybe you want to invest in and you want to put your time into the likes of a Hoyland maybe you're just so sick of it you've been watching it and you're sick of it if there is some good other options out there and the reason you might want to trade Hoyland quicker than you want to trade Rashford is, well, what other midfielders are on the waiver? Maybe the likes of Wilson, the likes of DCL are available or some people are willing to trade. As I said, they might be hopeful of a Hoyland resurrection and I would probably capitalise on that. We've had Hoyland in our draft due content creators and it's just, you have to start him every week and that's the problem. It's not like one of these players when they're playing a a Man City, sometimes it's easy to bench them and you don't mind if the score. Hoyland is like, well, I can't bench him because you know, United you think will score in most games. So yeah, I don't mind a trade for Hoyland depending on who but apparently based on the stats you could trade for anyone. Those, those returns it. are it's shocking. Two points zero two one zero two 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 point player man. Could uh, could get you over the line <laughs> Um Our final question is Guardiol Who do I waver out? Do I waver him out? I think, short and simple, I hate City defenders. Uh, you have Guardiol. We had, I think, I think we had, no, Kanji and Diaz, we talked about them at length. You don't know who's going to start, when they're going to start, and if they're even going to keep, keep a clean sheet. So infuriating. Personally, I'd love to get rid of a Guardiol. It's so hard to do, and, I'm, and, and do you know what? City will probably keep two clean sheets in a row after they're blank, and that's the problem. Yeah. Well, Guardiol might only start one of those. So it doesn't matter if he's keeping clean sheets because he might be only getting average three points a game because he's only starting half time clean sheets. We're going to go straight into the waiver section and give some options in defense that you could get in for Guardiola over the next five and hopefully long term um, games that hopefully they can actually reap more points per game than that city bum. (laughs) Onto our waiver section of the podcast. And we're going to start off with goalkeepers as always. There has been a lot more discussion around goalkeepers the past couple of weeks, which is actually added to the game. Usually there's usually there's not this much, but over the past couple of weeks we've seen benchings, we've seen rotation, we've seen injuries. So if we look at a couple of keepers that started this game week, we thought Bentley wouldn't start, but he did. Jose Sá was out for one more game week. Again, I expect Jose sad to come back in once he's fit. Um, Verbruggen started over Steele they've been rotating all season I would hate to be a, a Brighton fan because I think that would be a point of frustration for me that you don't have a set goalkeeper I know Deserby is you know, a different manager and Brighton fans might accept that but it's not good if you're playing with one of them on FPL I know Brighton aren't contesting for the league but Raikin always talked about great teams that
1: won leagues always had a fantastic goalkeeper like a world class goalkeeper like Van Dessert when he played with United or David Seaman with Arsenal was always one keeper
0: and they back four always trusted that keeper. It was a trust thing as well. And so maybe that's why Brighton aren't keeping clean sheets because it's just so much rotation. They have a lot of injuries, but rotating goalkeeper doesn't help. As good as Verbruggen was, he was decent at the weekend, FPL terms, it doesn't it doesn't help us. No. <laughs> Feck's sake, deserve it. So um, I was playing FPL with his Brighton team like <laughs> yeah. rotating goalkeepers. Um Turner got the nod over Vlacodimus this weekend but wasn't great yeah. was at fault a poor kick out the and, yeah, and then a bad save so again that could be Vlacodimus back in I know when Turner's got in it's because of Vlacodimus' mistake and vice versa so maybe that is another catalyst for Vlacodimus getting another nod and then Fabianski started this weekend as well with Ariola injured so what this kind of tells us is that it's not the most exciting strategy but a double up in a couple of these teams the likes of your Brighton I got a double up on, for Bruggan and Steele this weekend just so I'd have a playing keeper your Turner, your Lekodemis again not exciting for keepers but if you're down to one keeper and he might be a rotation risk like we've seen this, this year maybe getting the two from one team is a good option usually I don't like it but now it could be a great option and then the same with Fabianski and Ariola. Fabianski no bum so like he gets in there and has a couple of uh, good games. West Ham keeps their first clean sheet of the season. Maybe he'll say, Jesus, maybe I should have been starting. West Fabiansky. Ham kept a clean sheet this weekend. Yeah, first time. Sorry, second time this season. Excuse me. Second time. So maybe the Fabianski-Ariola double up, the Turner-Vlakodomis double up, and the steel Verbruggen double up might solidify your team a bit more over the Christmas period, and you're nearly guaranteed that you have a keeper. Because there is, there's always surprises. If, like this weekend, when me and you were looking
1: at the team sheets when they were out, we were shocked. I'd say, yeah, two two or three times shocked by the keepers that are there. So, having yeah, doubling up is going to ensure
0: that you do have a playing keeper. Two points, you know, could be a big difference, could be a big difference, and uh, if we move on to a couple of keepers that are actually longer term holds and maybe you don't want to double up, you have a decent keeper. Uh, Petrovic started for Chelsea kept a clean sheet this week and that Sanchez injury looks like it's out or he's going to be out for a couple of weeks past the new year so that's going to be kind of a midterm hold as well if he plays well you never know Sanchez has had his troubles at Chelsea I don't think they're going to rush him out the door any anyway, time soon but Petrovic could be like 6-7 games and in the middle of that Chelsea run could be a bit of a gem another one that I think we tipped on Twitter fairly late on in the week so Yeah, the quote was on the 15th of December. Of course, I'm very sad because we're going to lose a player maybe for a few weeks. We still need to wait and see perfectly the situation with Robert. So it's unknown. It's a knee injury. I'd be fairly weary. Petrovic for foreseeable is going to be a good option. And similar in the Palace team. Johnson, calf injury, unknown return date. Henderson, started. We thought Matthews would start, but Henderson came back a week or two early from injury and started for Palace. Now, Palace don't have a great run of fixtures. I suppose it's more secure in points in this situation. If you have a Johnstone and he didn't have a backup keeper, getting a Henderson in this weekend to cover him might be a decent option. They play Brighton at home. Brighton are very good at scoring, as we said, 21 games in a row until last week. Chelsea away, Brentford, Arsenal, Sheffield. You're just going to have to pick and stick. If you don't have a rotating keeper, you're just going to have to play Henderson and hope he picks up two or three points, a couple of save points, and maybe a clean sheet in there, one clean sheet. Did one but start? No. Who was left back? Shaw. Shaw, yeah. okay. Moving on to our defender section, and we're going to start with players that you might pick up in larger size leagues if there's not much on the waiver, and you're looking for someone to shore up your team wan is nearly sure for a start next weekend with Dallo receiving a red card. They are playing West Ham away. They are a very good attacking side. United haven't been the worst over recent weeks defensively but they have played lesser teams apart from that Liverpool kind of Jose Mourinho type game the last day where United literally just sat back. If you just want someone in there it's going to be a one week punt because when Dallow comes back in a game week or two time Dallow is going to be back in there We've seen Ten Hag prefers Dallas. So Wambsac is a one-week punt in a large-sized league. Maybe I don't know how sure I'd be of a United um, clean sheet, but I'm just an gonna double-check now for you. But I have
1: a feeling United could have the
0: most clean sheets.
1: I'd say it's Arsenal in the league so far this season. Yeah, I'd be very surprised if United do. Okay, United have the third most clean sheets, just
0: six one one clean sheet behind Arsenal seven. Geez, so the stats aren't bad in yeah. terms of United. I suppose for one game week at West Ham, it's not going to be you know, a massive, massive probability of a clean sheet, but it's an option. If you're looking for players that we talked about last week, I suppose there's going to be a few less waivers this week because a lot of the players that we've already tipped are still great options. Bassey didn't play last week, I think we talked about him a couple of weeks ago. But he was slightly injured. So Bassey for Fulham for the next four or five game weeks is still a great option. As are a couple of more Fulham defenders, which we'll talk about in a second. Moreno, who we tipped last week, banged a goal. I think if you have him, obviously you hold and see how you get on. You probably got him in for one week because you knew he was going to play. And as we said, well then, have a, have a, have a goal at keeping him for the next two or three game weeks. That goal is such a, such a boost for Moreno owners to say like, Oh, he has a chance of staying in this team. Not only did they play well, he banged a goal. So Moreno is a hold. And see, and see, does he start the next game? Does Digne get 20 minutes? What's the story? I think he's a bit of a hold. Same with the Bournemouth boys. They were in for three fixtures. If you got any of the Bournemouth boys and you were disappointed, obviously with the way the game panned out, they didn't keep a clean sheet, and that's probably going to be replayed. I I wouldn't be thinking too much about that double game week in the future. You don't know when that's going to happen. But the Bournemouth boys, you got them in for three game weeks. Just ride it out. They're playing Forest. Um Forest are playing without a, without a striker. We'll talk about their two options up top in a second as well. But yeah, ride it out. I don't think you'd pick them up and leave them off. I think you played the three games and uh, sometimes patience is the best thing you can have in, in FPL. So any of them three Bournemouth boys or four Bournemouth defenders that we tipped, I'd still hold and ride it out this week. If we're looking for a bit more sure option for the next five, six, seven game weeks, then Fulham defenders, as we said. But Robinson and Castagne are a lot more exciting than the likes of Bassey. Bassey, big boy, yes, might get uh, his head on something. But Robinson, I think he got three assists in a row in the last couple of game weeks. Um, in 12, 13, 14, I think it was three assists in a row. And then two clean sheets in a row with the 2-5-0 wins. So, yeah, although 12, 13, 14 three clean sheets in a row three assists in a row three assists in a row and then two clean sheets so he's been racking up the points I've had him in my team for a couple of those he's a decent option going forward as is Castagne I'd definitely pick Robinson over Castagne just based on stats Castagne's racked up like only 0.8 expected assists this season which is quite low for the amount of football he's played although he might seem like a rotation risk he has started the last 12 out of 14 games so He is pretty solid. He only played 60 minutes in the last game. Might be a a little asterisk. Robinson, number one. And Castagne, number two. They play Burnley and Bournemouth in the next two. Two fixtures you can start. Arsenal, Chelsea. Maybe you want a bench. Everton, Burnley, Bournemouth. So again, another three fixtures in a row. In the next, what's that, seven game weeks, there's five fixtures that you can have. Robinson or Castagne or even Bassey. And you can start them and you can be hopeful. You can be looking at that fixture and be happy that you're going playing them. Obviously, two big boys that came back this week, Big Dan Burn and Batman. They are season-long holds. If you can pick them up, if they weren't picked up this week, obviously they're going to be very high in the list. Burn more so with that big haul, but Batman and Burn, with the slight injury to Shar, it's like Batman's nailed in there, even if he wasn't already beforehand. And Burn is definitely going to be tipped left back. So if you get these boys in, even if they're benched or they have a couple of tough fixtures the next one or two. You're going to be happy to have them for the rest of the season. There is
1: nothing better than having Newcastle defenders when they're in form. I had them last year, and it probably won me the draft league last year was having Newcastle assets in defence, because you're just you're sure you can get like six pointers, eight pointers. Dan burned. What's it? Fourteen points. Fourteen points. Like it is. It's one of the. One of the best things about playing the draft is when you have Newcastle defenders, and
0: as we said, both of them are big boys. They can get their heads on it, so they're not uh, they're not afraid of a few attacking returns as well. Even though you'd be looking towards them clean sheets more so, but yeah, don't be don't be surprised if they get an attacking return. And then on our watch list, Robertson is expected back in the next couple of game weeks. On FPL, it's down as the twenty first of January, but in our on injury expert, where I get my injury updates, I suppose, very reliable source. They have it down as the 1st of January. So if we look at them in terms of game weeks, uh, he's going to be out for 18 and 19. That's nearly guaranteed. It's nearly guaranteed that he's going to be out for 20. But if he's back by game week 21, there's there's like a two-week break, nearly a three-week break between um, game week 20 and 21, where it gives extra time for Robinson to get back. He's nearly going to be Guaranteed back for that Bournemouth game. If not, he's going to be in the squad for that Bournemouth game unless something changes in terms of his injury. So you're getting him, what, three game weeks early? Which I think, if you pick him up three game weeks early, is not a bad hold. If you can feel the team over the Christmas period, Robertson, you're going to have him for the season long. I think he comes straight in there for Simicass, and you're happy to have him. I know he has been underwhelming before his injury, but if Liverpool are going for the league, they want to be solid. You have that back four... A solid back four of Robertson, Van Dijk, Kanate, and Trent, with Allison. And if they start putting a run of games together, where the five of them start together, you know you're nearly going to be sure that if they want to go far in the league, which obviously that's their aim, they have to keep clean sheets. Robertson most assists in Premier League history. I think getting him in three game weeks early is going to be a great option. I know you're going to have to ride out a couple of benchings, and maybe even um, not even a benching. So you're not going to have him at all, and then maybe a benching before he starts. But after that, you're going to be delighted. Yeah, we do always, when we give suggestions like this, it does depend on
1: how your team is set up. So he is flagged at the moment. You wouldn't be able to have, like, attend in an eight-man league, if you picked up Madison and De Bruyne and Robertson, you couldn't risk having boys, three boys flagged on your bench because the busy Christmas period, inevitably, they'll have to be considered for points because people won't play. Yeah. So th- it
0: always depends on how your team is set up to have Robertson just sitting on your bench. Come come January, February, you're going to be like, my team's insane. You might have lost two or three games in that game game time, that period. And you're going to have to make up with Robinson, Madison and a De Bruyne, them three games. Which is not easy. Even having the best players on your team just doesn't work out, just doesn't fall in your favour. I've seen people that are like 5th and 6th in some leagues and have like 750 points. It just doesn't work out. So you can only really hold, as we said maybe four or five weeks ago, one maximum two players and the second player has to be coming back fairly soon. So again as Jackson said, all depends on your team but if you have space, Robertson 3 or 4 weeks early I think is worth it. On to our midfielder waiver suggestion and as we said, a lot of the picks that we've previously said previously said in a couple of podcasts are still very relevant. A couple of the lower ones that would probably still be available could be available. Yeah. Willian missed last uh, game week because of injury, but again we've talked about Fulham's fixtures. You can start him in five out of this next seven games. Now, he might get rotated as well because he's 35, did we say? 35, yes. Yeah. So he's explosive, but is prone to a on penalties. Bruno Gamerez, nail player for Newcastle, assist the last day, could have got two. And yeah, he's a pick and stick, two or three points a day. Is a um, whore for yellow card, but. You whore for yellow card, but you sure, love. Yeah. Uh, we like him, so we'll let that one slip. <laughs> but if Dignick got a yellow card, God help me. <laughs> <laughs> um, Bailey again Benched Comes on Assist He just That's what he does That's what he does So Bailey If he's on the waiver Also a great option Longstaff Started the last day Again he's a very similar player To Bruno Guimaraes Joel Linton picked up an injury So maybe that makes The two of them more solid now Don't be surprised If he gets an attack and return Don't expect it But don't be surprised Longstaff was close To getting an attack and return very, very close. He does take up some good positions in the box. The amount of... The, the way that Newcastle press, they can them midfielders are very prone to being in good positions because they press so high that they get the ball so far up the pitch. It's not a counter-attack where Bruno Camara is. Now, he does play deep. Puts a mad long ball from 18 yards over the top. You know, that's not the type of assist he's going to get. They play relatively high up the pitch because they press so high. So, both of them, although they seem like boring picks, could be little gems. Like, my kitchen, have five points... And could win you a game week. And then we mentioned Andres Pereira earlier on. All the other players, if they're on the waiver, are fantastic options. Eze, Olise, Pascal Gross, very, very good options. They'd probably all be ahead of these guys. And the guys that we're going to mention. The next two up are Eze and Olise, and I suppose they have to be they have to be up there. We kind of talked about Johnston the last day and why Johnston, even if he comes back. Or was Matthews actually the, the Palace keeper? How he's not a great option because their fixtures are tough. But if we're looking at attacking assets for Palace, if we look at the games, Brighton, terrible. I don't think they've kept a clean sheet. No, They're, they're ones that have kept a clean sheet. Chelsea, vulnerable. Brentford, a lot of injuries are vulnerable. Arsenal, obviously very tough fixture. Sheffield, you'd be expecting to win and score well. Brighton again. Chelsea again. Everton, Burnley. So there's maybe three fixtures in there where you're you're setting up and say, oh, it might be tough for them today. But the rest of them, you're like, Palace could score here. And if Palace score, you know Eze or Olise are going to be in the mix. Yep. On set pieces, on free kicks. Uh, it's not 100% guaranteed as to who's 100% on penalties for the rest of the season or who's going to be on free kicks. Usually o- Olise from the right and Eze from the left. But either of those players, although the fixtures mightn't seem so so good, like a Mudrick, because he's a load of green fixtures. These are guaranteed players. These are nail players in the palace side that if Palace want to do well at all, these have to play eighty plus minutes every day. We need so, these guys to stay fit as well. Yes, now they have been you know injury themselves, but I suppose this suggestion is on the hope, the prayer that yeah. they stay fit. You can't There be too many
1: variables that would come into making the decision if you said, oh no, I'm not going to go with these because there's a risk that they'll get injured in two or three weeks' time. I think looking at these fixtures, looking at their form, looking at set pieces and their potential for attacking returns, that's enough. I think so.
0: Just those uh, variables. Yeah, that's it's it's it. it. <laughs> nothing nothing overcomplicated. Yeah. <laughs> we can't predict the future. But... As Jaxie said, there is some players that are a bit more prone to getting injured that you might want to avoid. But if you see them putting a run of games together, sometimes it's worth the risk. Next midfielder is Jacob Ramsey. And Jacob Ramsey started the last day, played well, racked up some good XGI, not too bad. Um, 0.44 XGI. 4 key passes and 1 big chance miss. So Ramsey on another day could have hauled. Brentford, as, as I said, they're not great at the back. But Villa have a very good run of fixtures over the long term. Ramsey will probably get the nod for the next game or two, because Kamara is in, or sorry, not injured, he's suspended. So, based on that, now I pick Ramsey. I know I said previously, wait till he get two, wait till he gets two starts in a row. He's got his first start. I predict him to get the next start, and then he'll probably be gone. So, if you were looking for a way into that Villa side, I know Tillemans picked up an injury and Bailey was a bit of a a doubt. So there is still possibility that Tillman's comes back into that team. But I definitely think with Ramsey's quality, that if he stays fit and gets a good run in the team, it's going to be hard to keep him out. So Ramsey this week is definitely going to be a good option, but still not 100% guaranteed. For the next two or three game weeks, he has a great, great chance to stake his claim as a guaranteed starter in that Villa side. But we do know that Emery does like to change it. He likes to play four at the back. He likes to play five at the back. So that's why, at the start of the podcast, we didn't have Ramsey as high as maybe Olise and maybe Eze, because we know that they're nearly going to play 90 minutes every day. Ramsey, we know when he plays and when he's on form. Great AFL pick, but we haven't seen that in a while. So I wouldn't be putting him as high as those boys, but still, definitely a nice way into that Villa side. On to our strikers. And there's actually a couple more strikers. We mentioned a couple of them already. Wilson. Although he is a rotation risk, he's back from injury, and I haven't really fancied him in the past because of that rotation risk. If, Callum Wilson. Callum Wilson. If you have him as a second choice striker, he gets he's on eight eight uh, returns this season already. Seven goals, one assist. Yeah, I was just
1: checking there. Isaac has fifty eight points in FPL this year. Wilson
0: has fifty two, and yeah, on the surface you'd say Isaac was was a way better pick and. Oh, Wilson and we've we've shat on Wilson before because he's been injured and we said don't get him over the Christmas period. But what's kind of helped Wilson now is the fact that Isaac's now picking up injuries. So I think Wilson's going to be forced to play a bit more. Although Newcastle have a, a load of injuries, the, I think they're going to have to play him. If Isaac's injury, I think it's a hamstring injury, kind of oh no, it's a groin injury. And they said he's still feeling something on that groin. If that's going to be an ongoing issue for him. For the season. Maybe Wilson gets a lot more starts than we have previously thought. And as we said, he doesn't need that long on the pitch. If Newcastle yep. start beating teams well, he's just he's just a born finisher. So I wouldn't be picking him as your sole striker because inevitably he's going to get benched and a one pointer is going to come. But if you have him as maybe a second striker where you don't mind him getting a bench in or you don't want to start him some weeks if you don't feel like the rotation is going to go in his favour, sometimes you can predict with Wilson depending on well they're out of Europe now but depending on previous games Uh, I don't mind him as a second choice striker I think he's actually going to be fairly productive for the rest of the season providing he stays relatively fit What's the uh, what's the wager we have? Foden more Foden versus Wilson who gets more Returns, goals, and assists, and I think Wilson is now one ahead. Yep. I couldn't believe that, and we talked about how Foden is overvalued for his returns. If you think about that, if you think about Foden, who's played majority of games, majority of minutes compared to Wilson, and uh, Wilson has one more attack and return this season—seven goals, one assist—I think. I think Foden has maybe it could be level actually. It could be four and four. Foden has four and four. Four and four. So it's actually level. So that's a bit <laughs> mad to think that he's playing in a very good city side and it's probably some of the most minutes he's got in the last, last couple of years. Four and four and seven and one. Yeah. yeah. So Wilson's not as bad on the surface as he seems if Isaac kind of per- persists with that groin injury. If we're kind of going down the line, we'll start at the bottom of the sp- well, lesser three, we'll call them. Um, Munoz for Fulham. I think we'll get the nod this week because Munez has been out injured since he played United and he actually was very decent against United. United actually were nil-nil for the majority of that games until Bruno banged the winner and Munez held the ball up very well for Fulham that day. came off injured. He looked disappointed. The manager looked disappointed because he's like, damn it, he's actually playing well. And it was at a time when Jimenez wasn't playing well. Vinicius has got one or two returns from cameos but I think they want to start with this dude. So if you're looking for a playing striker, if you don't have anyone for this week, and possibly next week as well, because Jimenez I think is out for two, even three games, um, he could be a good option. If we're moving up the list, a fella that is just kind of looking at us with his, uh, giving us a shush sign, Mateta, who we shat on last week, who we said is a decent option if you don't have anyone playing, but he came away with a 12-pointer? Yeah, we did That's against um, City.
1: That's where, that's one suggestion or one analogy where I'll hold my hand up and
0: say I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. At least we have that in record. <laughs> yeah. But were you, in fairness, we watched him the, the, the week previous and he did nothing. And we're like, Jesus, how is he going to even do something against City? But um, Edward's injury, I think it's knee injury as well. There's an unknown return date. So he might be an option for the next five or six game weeks. It's going to be hard to start him. But as we said, a lot of them Palace games... If you're picking Olise and Eze and you think that they're going to return, Mateta might be in there somewhere. Mateta is definitely gone up. It's very easy to say after he gets a twelve-pointer, but he's definitely gone up in my estimation. I'd still be weary about him. Um I just don't think he's as a good finish as a as good of a finisher as his stats say. And actually, they proved that we saw that last week: three assists and zero point five six expected assists. But still, not a bad option. Still, not a bad option. Moving on from that. Foster is back. Returned this game week. There was very little about it. I'd say it's because of the nature of the the absenteeism, I suppose. Um, but he will be a good rotation striker if you don't fancy Burnley scoring against the likes of Liverpool, Villa, and City, who they have in the next six games. In there, they have Fulham, then Liverpool, Villa. So you can start from Fulham, bench Liverpool, Villa if you want. Start Luton, bench City, start Fulham. Three fixtures that you'll be happy to have Foster in your team. Also, on a side note, I'm Amduni actually played well the last day. Maybe he got the finger out because Foster's back. There is Jay Rodriguez there as well. So there might be slight rotation. I still think Foster should be number one. Maybe it might take him a couple of weeks to get back in there. But I still think he's worth a pick-up if you don't have a playing striker. So there's three players that are probably on the waiver this week that are worth a pick-up. Mateta might go first because of his recent haul. That doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be the best player I think if I had to pick, I'd pick Foster, then Mateta, and then Munez because it's going to be a shorter term. Just on Foster, if you do pick him up this week,
1: and let's see he only plays 20 minutes, at least you would have been putting him on the bench for Liverpool and Villa, so you can still monitor his minutes over the next three game weeks, and
0: then you can have him for, for that Luton game at home. If, if he's in the team. If he's in the perfect team. Perfect point, man, because as you said or we talked about last week, I can't, I can't remember, a couple of weeks ago, that like, if you have a player that has three good fixtures in a row and then they don't start the first one, you're more inclined to get rid of them and then they might play the next two. Whereas as you said with Foster, well you weren't going to play him anyways. So you have three game weeks of information before he plays Luton and if he's not playing by then, fine, you can drop him off and pick maybe someone else up. But if you have a starting Foster who's back in form possibly for Luton at home, that could be, uh, that's game week, 21, I thought that might be 19 or something. That could be the winning and losing of a draft. So, that is our waivers wrapped up for Game Week 18. Thanks, as always, for listening. Thanks for all the messages. And a load of new messages this week, actually, from people that have been listening to the podcast. Appreciate it so much. If you're a new listener, give us a shout on Instagram. Uh, One-to-one help. Give us a message on Instagram. We love having a chat and hopefully getting good picks for you. Um, As I said weeks and weeks ago, it's like I'm playing FPL with 20 different teams now you know anyone that messaged me at the weekend I'm now looking at the players that they have and hoping they get a win so we're all in this together hopefully we'll all come top for Draft League YouTube Twitter Instagram TikTok all that jazz give us a shout FPL Draft Joe out boom Eminem been real quiet since I dropped that bar <laughs>